Trash Camp presents that one guy that peaked in high school. Hey, man, it's so good to see. Is, is that you, Chris? Hey, man, I haven't seen you since high school. What's it been? You know, 10, 20 years, dude? What are you up to now? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Uh, not, not much, man. Just uh, work, working this part-time job, you know, uh, still living with my mom and the cats. But, oh, bro, bro, have you been by uh, Wallace High School lately? You been around there? Dude, I have not been back there since I graduated. Never have been back. Bro, Mr. Kissler's still there. And, dude, we got him so good last week with his shaving cream prank, bro. It was so cool. Like, I mean, the senior class, it was it was fantastic. It was a great prank, bro. You should have been there. Uh, so Wait, so you're telling me you went back last week and pulled a prank with the senior class last week? Yeah, dude. Dude, I haven't missed a football game, a pep rally, nothing, bro. Sometimes they even let me lead the pep rally, dog. Like, I'm telling you, like... It's so great. It's so freaking great. It's just like being back there, bro. It's so... Dude, you should come sometime. Like, it's so awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I'm good. I mean, we're 40-year-old we're guys, and uh, I, I just... I don't know. It's a little weird going back to hang out at your old high school unless you got kids there. And uh, I don't got kids there. Do you, do you have kids there, I guess? No, man. Man, you know... My wife left me a long time ago. It's not even that big of a deal. But what is really cool, man, is uh, the wrestling team went to state this year, bro. And I was asking for, like, this Letterman jacket because, like, I was kind of like a coach and stuff like that. Like, I mean, not really officially. Like, I just kind of showed up and uh, told them when to run and stuff like that. But I figured I should get, like, a Letterman, don't you? Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know, man. Hey, actually, um, I, I gotta go, bro. Uh, my wife, well, my wife expected to be home, like, five minutes ago. So, uh, yeah, I gotta go, buddy. Bro, you should come hang out sometime. Like, you should come hang out sometime. Like, I'm telling you, like, there's this big party tonight. You should come out. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I'm good, man. I think I'm good. Uh, definitely definitely do not want to be hanging out with a bunch of teenagers from high school. That, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch you later, though. It's good to see you, man. I'm Micah. Hi, I'm Chris. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. Well, buddy, we're in the season three already, and episode three, and it's the Christmas season. Tis the season. It's the holidays, bro. Yeah, yeah. So be checking yourself. Don't uh, be getting sick. Ain't nobody got time for that. It's the holidays. Yeah, man. So uh, we want to shout out all those listeners that have been listening from internationally down in Singapore, over in Australia, in the Middle East. We appreciate you guys. Our European folks have always been a one since day one in uh, France and the UK and Ireland, uh, Italy. Where else have people been listening from? Man, here stateside, we got a shout out to our uh, home state, the Lone Star State, and um, you know all the way up into the Midwest as well, uh, Iowa, even into the Ohio River Valley, Ohio, all that good jazz, man. Illinois, Indiana, up in there as well. Uh, even up in the Northeast, we're gaining listeners. And down in the southeast, Georgia, Florida, and uh, man, even out west, up in Washington, Oregon, California, it's really just been growing, dude, all over the freaking place. It's great. Yeah, I gotta love it, man. Well, we are so excited that you guys are here listening to us on your Monday morning or whatever day of the week you choose to listen to. 
Um, but we're going to go ahead and get started with our old-fashioned donut, which is a story from our past. And last week, we started a kind of a new series about people from our past, people from the church that we used to go to, and we named the church Few Hope. Last week, we talked about Crazy Jeremy, Bernard, and Mr. Ken, and it was great. But this week, we have some other characters that we want to talk about so mike i'm gonna let you take the lead on this um all right well the very first person we could talk about i think everybody has kind of a quintessential uh church do-gooder kind of guy and i'm, I'm gonna talk to you about um um what, what should we call him man uh hh we call him hh oh yeah uh we can call him uh herman that's what we can call him herman herman yeah there we go so herman was the typical um i guess like i said kind of that church do-gooder like i mean he was really into everything he was kind of a middle-aged guy but what was really really off and uh you know we just did that whole bit about you know dude can't get out of the past and whatnot i'm not saying that was him but the crazy thing was is he would talk to everybody whether it was you know, teenagers all the way up to the oldest person. He would like go across of, and this wasn't a small church, but he would go like across the atrium, across the foyer, just to shake your hand and be like, "Oh, it's good to be in the presence of the Lord today." You remember that? Yeah, the th and there's nothing wrong with people like that. I think what Micah is saying is like it was almost like it, it was. He was so nice that it was almost phony. And, like, I swear that fool never stopped smiling, bro. Like, it was almost like he had a perpetual smile on his face. And that's what kind of made it a little weird is because he was just, he would smile and you would never see him with, like, a regular face. And he was just perpetually smiling the whole time. But during the time, this is pre-COVID, they don't really do this anymore. But churches used to have the part where it's like, hey, turn around and greet your neighbor, shake everybody's hand. And that's what Micah's talking about. Like, during that time, if he saw you, if you made eye contact with him, if you locked eyes with him, it doesn't matter if you were up in the balcony and he was down on the main floor. If he locked eyes with you, he would walk all the way up to the balcony just to shake your Speed hand. Walk. Speed walk. Speed too. walk, too. It's like you are his target, yeah. bro. He beelined it for you. And he had that smile think, on his face the whole time. Well, and I think the main thing, too, is he over-talked. I think that was my biggest problem with him is uh, it's not necessarily, you know, coming up, shaking my hand and, you know, that sort of thing. That's cool. That's fine. But, like, homie would just keep on going and going and going it's like okay this conversation was over like 10 minutes ago because most of the time it was really about nothing so i think that was my main thing and you got to understand folks i am not a morning person so i'd be showing up to church right i see my buddy chris like hey chris is here that's great then what happens then i got this guy coming up to me talking to me a little close he always had coffee bread too you remember that homie always had coffee yeah bread. here's the thing and people that always have coffee breath, they're always close talkers. I don't know what that is. That's like the. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. It's like the cardinal rule. Like if you have coffee breath, you are automatically a close talker, like in your space. And that's what uh, I almost said his real name. Uh, that's what Herm, <laughs> that's what Herman was like, man. But he was just interesting. Um, but a funny thing about Herman, uh, this guy was so nice. Well, this was in the days that. Uh, churches were getting shot up like people would just walk into churches and shoot the congregation and everything and i remember one time the pastor did a message and we didn't know that herman was part of the message part of the object lesson but like in the middle of pastor preaching 
Herman just like walks up to the front and he goes, Pastor Bowen, Pastor Bowen, da 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 da. And it's like interrupting his sermon. And dude, like apparently Pastor had not told the security team that this was going to happen. So you got this guy like beelining it to the front and uh, they were ready to take him down. They were ready to take him out. But they, luckily they didn't. But it just caught everybody off guard because we were like, is this part of the show? Like, we, what is this? Well, and let's be honest. So a couple of things, too. So let's break this down. He was also a very nice and friendly guy. You got to think about the guy we're talking about. Close talker, very nice and friendly. Over talker, overly friendly. As bad as it is to say, watching him rush down to the front, I was going, oh, yeah, it makes sense it'd be him. You know, I mean, as bad as it is, it's like, oh, yeah, he snapped. He finally Something does happened. snap. They, they snubbed him for a spot, you know, a volunteer spot or something, and he finally just snapped. Um, I don't I don't know. But um, so the security team was also the usher team. So it was also, you know, the people that collected the cash money. And I remember we were, you know, we've talked about this before. I guess at that point we were more like casual ushers, like whenever – we could hide out and get away from them. We wouldn't be ushers, but then sometimes we would be. Um, so we would still be a part of their meetings. And one of the meetings right before that was talking about, okay, I mean, it was like a week or so before that. It was like, okay, if this happens and we went through the whole plan, if there was an active shooter situation and all that other stuff. And then here comes, oh boy, with the package right up the main aisle the next Sunday. Oh yeah, I forgot to say he had a package in his hand that he was bringing to the front. So that's also another cause. Everybody was like, holy crap, like, is this part of the show? Like, and it was a little scary, but... Uh, and he was shouting, too. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it was, you know, and it, like like he was saying, it was an object lesson to where it was supposed to be, okay, you know, God's delivered a package, whatever the heck it was supposed to be about, but still, you know, he full-on got taken down. Like, they, like, they didn't take him down full-on, but they, like, grabbed him, you know, and the pastor had to be like, da-da-da-da-da, it's a part of the... Could have told us next time. Um, One more side story about um, Mr. Herman. I almost said his name again. Um, (laughs) So if you remember, we talked last week about my mother being on uh, a prayer team and whatnot. Pretty much what happened one time is uh, they went up and uh, Mr. Herman said, pray for me. Because uh, I have <clears throat> hemorrhoids. And um, yeah, so guess who decided to put that in an email and blast it to everybody? Like, didn't put it in discretion or anything. It's just like, prayer warriors, pray for <laughs> pray for Mr. Herman and his hemorrhoids. So the whole, like, a lot of the people in the church knew that he had hemorrhoids. That was so, a typical guy of maternal unit. Poor guy just there. blabbing everybody's business. Uh, yeah. That's messed up. I'm telling you, that's like the number one. That's, that's like Prayer Team 101, bro. Like, somebody email. tell you, unless they're like about to do something illegal or they have done something illegal or they're going to hurt themselves or others, you're supposed to keep that confidential. Like, yeah. You email <laughs> yeah, the other like, people. Like, you could email a bunch of people, like, pray for so and so, you know, but like, be discreet. Don't say what it is unless they give you permission to do so. Well, the next one we're going to talk about is uh, Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad was uh, our missions pastor. He was also over the whole, I guess you would call it ABL team now, but the whole tech team. And uh, he was actually the the head pastor's son. And uh, we loved Pastor Brad. Now, uh, he he did do some things that were uh, not, not great. Um, they would be considered, I guess the term is moral failures um, by the church community. <laughs> 
I mean, that's that's a term for it, but yeah. But uh, without putting all of his business out there. But we loved Pastor Brad. He was kind of fun. As bad as it is, there are a few people in life to where you're like, there are some things that they've done at the side that's a little shady, but you're like, eh, it's Pastor Brad. It's all good. It's Pastor Brad. Like, I know that sounds bad, but it's just like, you don't really know the details. Now, I'm going to start off with with pastor so like chris said he was our missions pastor and i went on a missions trip to brazil with him we were not told until midway through the flight down to brazil that we were carrying more than what was it it was like i think five thousand dollars worth of goods in with us and so basically if and he was like a repeat offender bringing stuff down there and like not paying taxes on it or something i don't even remember and next thing you know it was just like I mean, and I understand, like, if it's over a certain weight amount, like, it was a really expensive amount of money. And so a lot of times it was, um, you know, like, drum cages or things that they couldn't get down there or it was, like, really expensive to get down there. And it was, like, really, it was a lot cheaper to get in the States and just ship it, right? We were, like, bringing, oh, we brought, like, a whole bunch of stuff down there. Basically, he told, he's like, yeah, so they're still looking for me from last time. So uh, it's like, we're going to give each person like that's your luggage right so mine was a drum cage that's the reason i can remember it's because mine was a drum cage big old drum cage still in the box and everything big massive thing and uh like one of my first experiences getting there you know because you, you have to fill out paperwork you have to fill out this paperwork saying okay you know how much goods are you bringing in the country it's like yeah we're gonna lie on that <laughs> we put like a way lesser amount and uh you know, we pull in there, bro, and I'm I'm all nervous because he also told me, of course, like there could be problems from before, so like we could get detained, and uh, but the, it's like a catch and release thing. He's like, don't worry about it. Like if we get detained, like we'll get released pretty quick. It's not a big deal. I'll just pay the money. So he basically deal. told you like, you may okay. or may not be going to to customs jail. To jail. Pretty much, yeah. And so what ended up happening, and scared the bejesus out of me because, of course, the big drum cage, it had to be checked, right? It had to go under the plane. And so um, I had to wait off in this certain area. Uh, they told us to wait and, you know, to get these big items. And here comes two guys, right, carrying this big old drum cage. And they sit it down. And they don't speak any English. They only speak Portuguese. And they're, like, yelling about this drum cage, they're, like, pointing at it and yelling at this point, you know, I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know, luckily we already had a translator there and she was talking with them and she was like, oh, they're saying it was really heavy. I was like, oh man, that's, that's good. Cause at first, you know, you're expecting, okay, we might have some problems. Mine's the heaviest, biggest item, <laughs> right? That probably would tip people off of, Hey, by the way, this is probably over the certain dollar amount. But now we walked straight out the airport with all of that stuff, including a big old drum cage and everything. And um, customs didn't do nothing there or on the way back. Thank, thank God. So, uh, but that was one of the, th the things I remember about him was just like, oh, by the way, we might get detained when we get there. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll just pay the cash and we'll be we'll be good to go. I love how he was just like, yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm basically a fugitive, so I hope they don't catch me. Uh, the one thing about Pastor uh, Pastor Brad, he had one white, one of his eyes, it was all white eyelash. Like, his whole eyelash was just white. Um, and I just remember he also was pretty cool to hang out with. And he he did really good King of the Hill impressions. 
and uh, and Seinfeld, and Seinfeld impression. Like some people, it's like some people don't like Seinfeld, but he could do some really good Seinfeld impressions too. Like, um, I think he did a really good George Costanza, if I remember that. Yeah, and I think the thing that we was like, oh man, because like a lot of the shows that would be considered bad, like Seinfeld and King of the Hill, they would uh, other people would kind of look down upon them in the church because they're like, oh yeah, you should be watching that because it's got bad stuff in it. But I was like, hey, this is Pastor Brad. Like, he's cool. Like, he's doing these impressions. Like, he felt like your buddy. Like, he felt like you could just, you know, talk to him about, you know, anything and everything. Um, again, some some moral fa- failures came out about Pastor Brad way down the line. And so it was kind of sad to see that. But, like, he was cool, though. He was, he was real cool. But let's be honest. He was the typical, like, I hate to say this, but, like, from that era, he was definitely the preacher's kid, right, who had always kind of been up in the church and doing his own thing, but at the same time still kind of doing his own stuff on the side. But, like, he was still really cool, but he was also, like, I think the reason I liked him is, like you were talking about, he was a little edgy, like he was edgy. A lot of other people would just, oh, I say. And he was just kind of that edgy. Um, I mean, he was even, I remember going even back in the days when um, we used to have a choir with like choir robes. I remember he would get on stage, you know, everybody else would be in suits. He would get on stage in jeans and a t-shirt back then even, you know, and that was way different. Like when, when I first started going there, because I remember, uh, my folks had a cow about that. Well, uh, yeah, man. Uh, we'll we'll save uh, we'll save the other ones for another day, bro. But uh, oh, the whole family's great. Yeah, the whole family is great. All right, so let's talk about the next one. This one is kind of an off character, but um, close with Pastor Brad, and um, we'll call him Mister Clock. And uh, Mister Clark, he lived over in Atlanta. And you got to think, this was a two and a half hour drive. This is what I remember about Mr. Clark. But he would drive every single Sunday over to our church just to do some technical aspects. Literally, we would record the services and, um, you know, put them online. He would do a bunch of video editing uh, between early service, late service, get the best copy out there and put it online like he would literally render it put it online and he would come to augusta every every sunday just to do that and he always wore a suit always wore it was like the same suit yeah it was uh he he was also kind of one of those guys that like he didn't really say much but like i felt like once you got to know him he had like a kind of a different sense of humor he just yeah very dry sense of humor yeah Uh, the only thing i really remember about mr clark was i just remember we were trying to hide from the children's pastor one time because every anytime we saw this children's pastor, he would always be like, hey, can you guys go do this? Hey, can you go do that? And that's not an option, by the way. That's not a, hey, can you do that? It's, hey, you're going to do that pretty much. Yeah, so we were like, oh, crap. Pastor Ed is coming. Uh, we got we to gotta avoid him. We heard him coming down the hall, and it's like, if we see him, he's going to make us do some work. So we just darted into the uh, the, I guess, the streaming room. Uh, and so we darted in there and like, we darted to hide under the table. And I remember like Mr. Clark was in there and he just kind of peeked and just looked at us and he didn't say anything. And then he just went back to work. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't even care. He was just like, whatever. I don't even want to know. I don't know how true this was. I heard that he was like, um, on staff at a really big university in Atlanta and like he was a professor and did a whole bunch of 
like in the audio video related, I mean, that obviously that's what he was doing, right? But he was one of those guys, nobody really knew a lot about him. I just heard a lot of rumors, right? Like I also heard the rumor that he lived with his mom in Atlanta. I don't think that was true, man. I think he he probably lived by himself. He was He was a pretty cool guy, but yeah, I think he was just, I'm pretty sure the church paid him to come down uh, from Atlanta. Oh, I would imagine so. He was really good at what he did. I mean, those recordings were really crisp and clean. And like I said, um, you know, he would take both services and, you know, take whatever from each one that was the best and would splice two together. And that's uh, not easy to do, especially in that day and age. You know, we have a lot of technology that makes it really easy now. That was an all-day process back then. Like, he was there all stinking day, like into the evening. Yes, he was. Well, uh, cool deal, man. Well, uh, it was it was great talking about those guys, and uh, we will move on to our next segment. Uh, what's our next segment, Micah? Our next segment is the Jelly Donut. But today we're talking about instead of criminal crime, we're going to talk about some civil stuff and some crazy lawsuits in which people actually won. So do you want to go through, Chris, and we're going to talk about some of these crazy lawsuits. The first one, a Massachusetts woman filed a lawsuit against the Boston Red Sox, the baseball team, uh, and team owner John Henry, claiming that they were negligent in 2014 when a batted ball struck her in the crowd. The player had failed to inform her that he might try to throw baseballs into the stand, and as a result, uh, suffered injuries, including facial fractures and neurological damage. And apparently she ended up winning and got $6.4 million from that. Are you serious, bro? How did you, how did you get that? Because, like, literally, that's that's the expected risk. That's the nature of baseball. That's the nature of baseball. I mean, but shoot, man, I didn't realize we could go to a, you know, a baseball game and, uh, you know, hopefully we get struck by a foul ball. We might be able to have the option to sue. I don't know. They, I'm, I'm sure since then they put in some... Uh what do you call it? Like some disclaimers, like when, yeah, when you buy your ticket or something. Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And that's something else, kids. If you ever see something on the wall of do not do this or do not do that, as silly as it may sound, it's because a lawsuit happened about it at some point. Uh, a judge in Missouri ordered a club chain to pay $6 million to an exotic dancer who said she was a victim of discrimination and retaliation. So the woman said that she sued this company uh, saying that they were forced to share tips with management, and she wanted to keep all of her tips. However, um, talking about what happened on stage in, behind closed doors was against management policies because they couldn't adequately account for all the money that was going in and out, at least is what they were saying. But she ended up winning $6 million uh, because apparently uh, she was forced to share tips over a long period of time, and they said somehow... With all the damages and the discrimination, $6 million is adequate. See, that one I kind of agree with. While I do not support and condone the business uh, in which this lady is in, like the tips is what she lives off of, right? Like that's how she gets her money. And so the fact that she has to share them with management, management gets paid like a base salary. They get paid a set wage. Most of the people that work in that industry, they're working off of tips. They don't get, uh, they don't have like, they're not getting paid by hour, I don't think, unless I unless I'm wrong. Or it's a small amount, like like waiters and waitresses, but I don't think it is like that. Yeah, so I I mean I get why she had to sue, but I mean you know now maybe she can quit her job. Different one, or you know a better one. Um. So, but 
you know, what really tips it off for me was uh, that this company was saying that what happens on stage behind closed doors, like we can't account for all that. You know, that's all horse hockey. You can tell how much money's going in and out. That's just them trying to say we want to keep our cut and we know that we're wrong for it pretty much. That's what it says in my mind. All right, so the next one. In 2005, an elderly woman was rushed to the hospital due to a severe knee infection. Uh, she'd never met her doctor, but he operated on her knee. And in 2007, she took him to court over negligence because she couldn't remember anything about the doctor. The jury awarded her $7 million uh, because she didn't know anything about the doctor, and that's against patient rights, apparently. Wow, man. I wonder how she... I mean, I guess they're... We've talked about this. There are lawyers that they sit around and try to find these lawsuits, but I'm like, wow, that's wild that like you you just get seven million dollars off of that fact. Like, I'm like, what what can I get paid for? You know what I mean? There's got to be something that we we missed during life. Um, <clears throat> the ironic part about this one though is uh, the doctor filed for bankruptcy very soon after, so um, they actually she. The lady actually got nothing because he filed for bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Well, that sucks. Uh, this lady sued her 12-year-old nephew for breaking her wrist when hugging him at a birthday party. And uh, jury awarded her damages of just over a million dollars uh, because the hug. So how is that 12-year-old going to pay that money? Like, what, 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 what? Okay, first of all, why is that lady su suing a 12-year-old? Number two, like, how, how is she going to get her money, like? What, is he going to have to pay reparations? Like, what the heck? I feel like there's got to be a family beef or something, right? Like, that's it's not just about her nephew. It's got to be like, you know, whoever that family member is, they don't like each other, and she was trying to get that money out of them. I don't know. But it seems like there's a lot more to the story than just... But see, my thing is, how does the 12-year-old break her wrist? Like, it also sounds like one of those things of um, she broke her wrist after the fact or something <laughs> trying to get that money. Yeah, I don't know, man. People, people do some crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't even know, man. All right, so this next one. In May of 2014, uh, this person was a Canadian radio host, was accused of um, assaulting three women. And uh, the women alleged that the guy <laughs> slapped them in the street uh, as a part of some prank uh, for this radio show. And apparently the lawsuit won uh, for a grand total of $55 million split between the three. But uh, he was claiming he was innocent because it's all for entertainment purposes and that they had um, signed paperwork over the matter, like contracts, and but there was no paperwork to be had that they could be shown in court. So homie just said, you know, let's go slap some people in the street. Dude, there are some radio shows where like they, um, they, they were like, oh yeah, this person is uh, like either cheating on me or blah, 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 blah. And radio show, they'll call into a radio show and the radio show host will call their partner and then pretend to like be someone from the bank or pretend to be somebody else. And I'm like, how do they not get sued over that? Because if you called me and you said, I'm from the bank and I saw these charges on your thing, da, 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 can you explain this? And it's like, dude, and you pretended you were from my bank, dude, I would sue you in a heartbeat. Like, I, some of those things, I'm like, you, they take it a little too far. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, especially in the day and age now, um, like TikTok and stuff like that. I mean, people go around smacking people and doing all sorts of crazy stuff to people in public and all sorts of crazy crap. So, um, at, you know, rightfully so, I, you know, 55 million is pretty steep. But at the same time, you know, I don't think you should be going out slapping people in the street, uh, especially ladies. All right. So the next one, 
Uh, this person was eating dinner at this nice Italian restaurant called uh, the Olive Garden. Uh, apparently tripped on a loose carpet near a stairway during his table. I'm sorry, a stair near his table. You know how it kind of steps up and down some of those restaurants. Broke his leg. And uh, he sued Olive Garden for negligence. And uh, he got 580000 Now that's not too crazy, right? I mean, we've heard people tripping and falling at you know Olive Garden and... You know, things like that, or even at subways, in front of subways. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm telling you, dude. If you fall in front of sue. Sue them. <laughs> Get your money, boy. Especially when you're talking about, you know, loose carpet, stuff like that. And, you know, if that if it actually caused that, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's on them. It's on them. They should be paying your medical bills. All right, just a few more. So this next person, in 2009, this person worked as a clerk at a cement mixing plant. When she, when she fell into one of their cement mixers and broke her leg, and she claimed of compensation like workman's comp on her injury, uh, and also sued the company and won over three hundred thousand dollars. Wow, well, good for her. My question is, there's wish there was more. You know, they showed more to the story here because that sounds kind of like negligence to me. Like, how are you gonna fall into a cement mixer? That doesn't sound like it's an easy thing to do. So this next guy here uh, ordered a roast beef sandwich from a very popular chain um, that likes to serve roast beef. Um, however, instead of giving him roast beef, they served him a pastrami sandwich as well. As a result, he um, he sued because he said it, he experienced severe stomach aches because he was allergic to pastrami. And also got a doctor's note to corroborate that. So he got a million dollars for his stomach aches because of the pastrami. Wow, that's crazy. Maybe I should just be going up in places and ordering, uh, ordering stuff that I know I'm allergic. In 2005, this lady sued UPS uh, when one of their delivery men left a package under her front door. Um, and then knocked over a barrier and ran down her steps. As it turns out, I'm trying to read to make, make sense of it. So she sued UPS because the delivery man left the package at the front door, then knocked over her ban barrier, ran down the steps. And then as it turned out, she ran out the door and twisted her ankle as a result. Okay. Um, just kind of didn't say very clearly what happened. Um, and then apparently the jury awarded her $1.5 million from UPS because, uh, I don't know, I don't know why she just done, took off running after him or something. Like what, what do you, I'm just like, what did he do? I guess he turned around and knocked over like something on her porch or something. I don't know. Yeah. And so she ran after him and so she twisted the ankle and she's suing him because he was quote unquote the cause of it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You didn't have to run out after him. I don't, I don't yeah. think that deserves a million bucks, but whatever. The mailman, they got to be running after, or they, you know, have dogs running after him and Karen's running after him. I mean, what is he supposed to expect? All right, so you ready to go to the next segment, Chris? All right, man. So this next segment is the donut hole, and that's my week to do it. So you know what we're going to talk about? We haven't talked about planes and aviation in a while. See, I've got a few weird airlines to talk about here. Um, all right, so very first one. Uh, there was one in 1974. Did you know about one? It was called Freelandia. I wonder why. And it was a not-for-profit airline that served organic food and had water beds as all of their seats. Uh, only, you know, it only lasted for about a year, though. I can only imagine why. Uh, but yeah, apparently it was a it was a big party. It was a hippie-style party. Vegetarian meal, cheeses, homemade suits. 
Yeah, wines, beers. Oh, it was a party plane. Yeah, it was okay. a big party. All right. Um, have you ever heard about the North Korean airline, Chris? They're really fascinating to me. But have you heard about the North Korean airline? Oh, that's the name of it? No, no, no. They're, the name of the airline is Air Corio. Oh, no, I've never heard of it. Man, so, you know, they've got so many sanctions on them. They fly all these really, really, really old Soviet-era planes. Um, but they keep them like pristine condition, but they're the only world's one star airline because, uh, I mean, you're going to North Korea <laughs> if you're going on there and, uh, they're banned from the UK and also the United States, uh, citing maintenance and safety concerns. And they only operate just a few flights going back and forth to China and Russia. Um, but they're still, they're still pretty cool, man. Uh, I wouldn't want to fly on them, but, um, every year they have a, a big air show or they, I mean, you got to think these are, these are planes that are from one of them's from the forties. So you got to think it's anything from the forties all the way up to modern day, what the Soviets are putting out, or I mean the Russians pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Um, and they just keep them just flying history. It's pretty crazy. Like I said, I'd never want to go, but those air shows look like they'd be pretty cool. All right, so just a few more here. Have you ever heard about Janet Airlines? Uh, no, I've not. Janet Airlines is one of the most highly classified airlines, and it goes out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and it goes from Las Vegas to a bunch of other sites, but primarily it goes out to Area 51. And so pretty much it's a white plane with a red stripe down the middle of it. That's all it is. And uh, Janet is an acronym um government acronym for just another non-existent terminal so um pretty much uh it's for people going back and forth to these really top secret bases and it goes straight out of uh do you, do you know they go right out of las vegas just you know just in and out of vegas wow so they basically just be telling us there's top secret stuff right there i don't know dude i don't trust it i don't trust it and like i said man the plane is white with just a red stripe down the middle of it like it looks very u.s government and very secretive all right so here's the last one so you know we stand with israel we uh don't want to talk about this too much but uh did you know that their airline el al is uh considered one of the most secure airlines and they don't have too many planes because they have to go through a two and a half year um testing cycle and they also have to do a bunch of equipment but they have all these um defense mechanisms on their plane they literally have a thermal camera and a laser that would shoot rockets out of the sky this is passenger planes right so all their planes have to have this on there they have anti-defense missile systems on there an undercover air marshal on every flight they don't mess around man <laughs> yeah they don't play bro have you seen the israeli military bro they don't be playing dude these are these are the same dudes that like i think it was like in the 70s or 80s like the six day war did you ever hear about that boy yeah they they killed the, or they cleared them jokers out in six days telling you when you got god on your side yeah bro they don't be playing dude they don't mess around but yeah man their their airline is very very strict and uh even even to get on one of their flights uh, on El Al is a little, they go through very stringent, um, background checks, things like that. They don't even want hijackings to happen. So, I mean, they, they're very about their stuff and, uh, understandably so, man. You think about it, bro. They're dealing with people that want to kill them every single day. So they got to make sure their stuff is locked down. Yeah. Heck yeah, bro. Definitely. But yeah, man, those are some weird airlines. I don't know if you've ever heard of any of them. Nope. Never heard of them. 
Well, they're, they're pretty cool to look into. Like I said, they're kind of smaller, but uh, some pretty cool national ones. The North Korean one's really, really interesting. But uh, speaking of North Korea and all their rage and aggression, let's go into our next segment, which is full of rage and aggression. And that's what fries my donuts. So, Chris? I'm going to tell you, you know what fries my donuts? And I'm going to keep, I'll keep this brief. But have you ever had those people that, like, you barely talk to them? You're kind of like maybe acquaintances with them. You don't really know them that well. You haven't talked to them in a while. Then all of a sudden they hit you up one day, and then they're trying to make small talk with you, and you're just kind of like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, what do you want? And then, like, they finally are like, hey, how's the kids? How's the wife? Like, how's life going? And it's like, good. And like, in the back of your mind, you're like, what, what do you want, do you want from, from me? me? And then they're just like, you know, my life's going good too. Like, it's great. And then you, you entertain the small talk for a while. And then it's like, hey, I work for this life insurance company. Uh, Do you want some life insurance? And it's like, bro, why didn't you just come out straight from the gate? Like, I know that you're trying to hustle and like different professions are different and stuff. But like, Bro, I had that happen to me, and I'm like, dude, we never really talked. We were never really that close, and then out of the blue, you just send me a message, ask me how things are going, how I'm enjoying this and that, and I'm kind of like, what do you want? Like, is there something you need? Like, is are you having a tough time? Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you hit me with the bam. I sell this if you're ever interested. It's like, dude. Why are you beating around the bush? Either that or I've had um, I've had people do pyramid schemes, right? Like, oh, you know, join this thing. Especially when that real big craze where all the drinks were coming out, like the powdered drinks. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even remember. Oh, the Spark? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, Spark. Oh, God. Yeah, I hated that, that crap. You know who was... Uh... You know who was big into that? Uh, he was one of the assistant managers at uh, yes, he was at Boot Corral, and his and his wife sold them. And I remember that was like a big thing, and I was like, yeah, oh, they yeah. used that thing religiously too. It was it was pretty bad, but um, yeah, no, I can't stand that stuff too, and especially when it's like. Like, I don't, again, yeah, I don't mind when you're trying to different things and trying different professions. And yeah, everybody's got to get their start. And yeah, you got to reach out to people you vaguely know and stuff like that and cold call and, you know, why why not try it and whatnot. But uh, yeah, man, don't beat around the bush. Be like, hey, we haven't talked in a while, but here's what I'm trying to do. Um, to me, I've got a lot more respect for you and there's a small likelihood, but most of the time it's a no. Um, just because... I don't know, especially when you vaguely know somebody, you really don't know that person no more. Um, and especially, like like Chris said, when you did know them, you really didn't. And so do you really trust them with like life insurance or something like that over a bona fide agent that you would know a little better? I don't know. Um, I get what you're saying, man. And then the other one that I've gotten a few times is people like, oh yeah, like I could show you how to invest crypto and make a lot of money or Forex and make a lot of money. And I'm like, man, I don't trust you with none of that. Exactly. I'm telling you, dude, it's wild, man. But yeah, like I said, that's what kind of fries my donuts. And I'm just like, dude, like we never really talk. Like, why are you all of a sudden caring about how, and it's like, oh, you're pretending to care like how my life is going. So you can try to sell me stuff. And I'm like, I don't like that at all. No, I totally get that, man. That's pretty that's pretty nuts. Um but yeah, man, um did you want to move on to the next segment? Yeah, let's move on. That's all I really gotta say about that in the words of Forrest Gump. Uh, it's it's frustrating though, man. I I don't like it when people uh when people act like that. 
be playing around just to like I, I get it, but same time. Alright, so we're gonna move to our next segment, which is the mystery donut or our improv segment. And this week we are going to do the randomizer. So Chris, let's do what would you think about uh an object, a location, and an emotion, maybe. An object and a location and emotion. Okay. The object is uh well, maybe not object. Let's try sorry. <laughs> Because I just realized object might not come out very good. So uh, let's do professions and locations and oh, yeah, and actions. Let's let's just randomize it. Yeah, I can actually just randomize it. An architect. We've already done. We've done, we've an, done an architect, architect before. before. Let's do a different one. A window cleaner at a active volcano. Okay. Working. Working overtime. Okay. All right. Working overtime. That's great. Working OT. All right. I can start it. All right. Go for it. Man, they got us working these stupid hours on this stupid hot. You know, it smells it smells like brimstone, and that smells like crap. I know what you're saying, Pony. I've been washing these windows for over 20 hours. I'm getting 20 hours overtime, and I'm just doing it so I can buy Christmas presents for the little ones. But I'm telling you, man. If that volcano keeps rumbling like that, we ain't gonna have to be washing these windows for long. There ain't gonna be no window. You know, it's it's it, you know we've been having to do this in the hot smeltering. You know, it was it was a heat wave all this year, all this year, and then they send us out to this dang volcano and say, oh yeah, let's do the building on the base of the volcano. Yeah, let's do that. That's that makes a lot of sense. I'm telling you, why did they send Sally out here? Sally's been sitting his butt in the office all week. Think, what do you think? Sally's too good to clean windows or something? Has Salvatore ever wanted to do anything? I'm just saying. I, I'm, all I'm saying is we're out here. We're literally out here washing these windows. We're halfway up these buildings. You know, I, I, all I know, all I know is this. The only reason I took this job is because my dad was a window cleaner too. And I thought, oh yeah, it's gonna be a great gig going halfway up buildings and washing windows and oh, it's gonna be fantastic. And then next thing you know, you know all it is? It's cleaning pigeon crap off of things. That's what it is. You know what? You know what really, really gets my goat? What really fries my donuts? I'm sitting over here working 20, 30 hours of overtime just to buy my kids Christmas presents. And you know who gets all the credit? Freaking Santa Claus. Santa Claus only works one night a week. One night a year. I'm over here working seven days a week, 365, fat man. And you getting the credit for my overtime? Nah, man. Miss me with that. Well, and then and then my wife tries to tell me, oh, oh, yeah, and we're going to make Santa into a spirit that's in everyone's hearts. And it's more, you know, it's more of a spiritual thing. And that's how he's able to go from Christmas to Christmas. Here I am, busting my hump, halfway up a dang volcano, cleaning freaking windows. And you're going to tell me you're going to brainwash my family? <laughs> doing 20, 30 hours? I can't even, I can't even bear this. Yeah, yeah, Tony, we better get out of here. I start to see that magma starting to come up there. And uh, it looks like it's going to rumble, so... uh we probably better get out of here before we're toast and we don't even get to spend Christmas. The only thing that I wanted to ask is, uh, I wonder how fast those uh, little carts that they're in, like the little baskets, how fast do they go up and down? I guess my question. I feel like they go up and down pretty quickly. I feel like they go up at a, at a decent... I don't think they're slow. I think they can go up pretty quick. Here's my question. Um, and, you know, if we have any window cleaners out there, you let us know. Do they start from up top? Like, I know that they have to put the basket up top, 
but do they start cleaning from up top and work their way down or do they lower the basket all the way down to the ground and do they start from the bottom and go up work their way up i don't know i think i'd want to start all from all the way up top and then go down yeah i think it would be kind of a little nerve-wracking when you all all the way up and you're just like ooh, but it's like oh i'm lowering it down i feel a little bit closer to the ground that's just me though that's nerve-wracking period that thing be you know i've seen those things really shaking around and whatnot anyways anyways it's been a great episode, man. It's always a good episode. You know it is when we're just rambling by the end of it. But yeah, man, so uh, we can move into our last segment, which is our eclair or our positive advice. And Chris, I think I went first last week, so I'll let you take it away. Cool deal. Uh, my advice is is to be courageous, and sometimes um, courage is the opposite of what you want to naturally do, right? So for some people, the courageous thing to do is – um, to just be quiet, right? Because maybe you're naturally, you just shoot off at the mouth and, you know, you say whatever you feel like, you say whatever is popping in your brain. Um, but maybe the courageous thing for you to do is just to be quiet and just to be like, you know what, I'm going to let this go. I'm not going to go gu- going guns a blazing. Or on the opposite side, maybe the courageous thing for you to do is just to sit back and not have confrontation. Um, sorry, strike that reverse it maybe the natural thing for you to do is just to sit back and not have confrontation but the courageous thing for you to do is to step out and to rock the boat and be like you know what i'm not just going to sweep this under the rug so um be courageous and uh whatever that looks like for you for me that's like sometimes i have to speak up about things because i'll let things go a little bit too often and uh yeah so don't be afraid to to take courage and uh do the courageous thing yeah no i totally agree mine kind of piggybacks off of that um and just don't ever downplay the importance of listening uh because you know even what chris was saying right um i've been in so many situations where i've been talking and talking and talking and saying something not even for you know bad purpose or you know whatever it's just just talking Maybe it was for attention or maybe it was for whatever. And I missed some of the things that I, you know, passed me by because I just wasn't listening at the time. And so, you know, don't ever downplay that. We had this job interview with this guy. And uh, I tell you what, man, like he was a very bright, bright guy, had plenty of uh, credentials, you know, to to have the job and everything. But, you know, what? the biggest thing that I'd noticed and we passed on him for he would not listen to the questions that we were asking him. Like he just would not listen. And you could just tell that he was just in la la land and he thought that he was going to get the job and he just didn't listen. He didn't listen. He didn't pick it up. And so, you know, you could have all the credentials in the world. You could look the best, but if you ain't going to listen, you're not worth anything, you know, especially, you know, business sense, relationship sense, like you got to listen, got to listen. And that's a hard one. Uh, especially when you're a talker like I am. Huh? What'd you say? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, again, again, <laughs> I say this all the time. God gave us two ears and one mouth, so that means you need to listen more than you talk. Just kidding. My dad always said that, and I'd be like, Dad, stop it. The little things. But yeah, man, uh, tvtrashcan.com. That's tvtrashcan.com. We're, uh, yeah, we're cooking on some things, so be on the lookout for that. But... It's the holidays. 
we also going to be taking it easy as well. So we enjoyed our time. But man, you got anything to add? No, just, uh, again, be safe out there during the holiday season, man. People drive crazy and people are rushing, rushing, rushing to where they're trying to go. And you can get overwhelmed with uh, holiday parties and all that stuff. So just, just be safe and be careful out there, okay? Yeah, and don't get too wrapped up in the gifts. Get wrapped up in the... This time you're spending with family, that's what it's all about, you know? I know what you wanted to say. I know what you wanted to say. What was I going to say? You wanted to say, you wanted to say, don't get wrapped up in gifts. You need to get wrapped up in the birth of Christ, birth of Jesus. That's what it's about. Yeah, we. I could go on that, you know. I could, you know, these people, they don't even know. They don't even know what I could break out with that for like a 30-minute rant. But we ain't going to, you know, bother them with all that. So, anyways, um, I guess it's time to sign off. I'm Micah. And I'm Chris. And this has been the Donut Box Podcast. Uh-huh.